share just a little bit, and then we'll, we'll dismiss you. Uh, if it is your first time here and you're looking for a church, guess what? You found one. Come on, somebody. And you're welcome here. You belong before you believe. You belong before you walked in the door. Um, and so we hope you find a home. And uh, we're your family. We're your Christian family. And we're for you. And we want to see uh, what God has put inside of you come alive and come forth. So that's the type of church family we are. Um, I, I want to uh, talk about the blessing of God in our lives, in our relationships, the blessing of God um, in our marriages. Come on, married couples. Can you say amen? amen? The blessing of God upon the church. We are the church together. You know, I, sometimes, and it bothers me, I've said this before, but every once in a while I'll see a little meme or something on Facebook and it says, I am the church. You know, that's absolutely incorrect theology because we're not the church alone, we're the church together. And I think that forms from this concept that we can do it alone. But that lie is one of the first lies that Adam and Eve believed, is this lie of independence. And we're called to be interdependent. But we, as the church, say we, as the church, receive God's blessing. Now, I I will say this. I feel like the Lord is really, and, and maybe... You know, everyone says this, every church says this, but I really feel, and if, and if you agree with me, whether it's your first time or you're part of this house, if you agree with me, I want you to, I want you to let me know. I feel like the Lord uh, is doing something significant in this church right here. Amen. Let me hear you if you agree with that. And I feel, not that it's new. I think he's always been doing something wonderful, and, and, we're, and, and we are a house of presence, and the Lord, is, his manifest presence is always so real to us. But I, I want to talk about what that means, what that looks like. And I want to read to you Psalm 67.1, a powerful blessing over the people of God. And how, anytime we read the Bible, guys, this is so important for us. You know, you hear phrases like, well, you know, I want a church that's a Bible-preaching church. Every church preaches the Bible, but they preach their interpretation of the Bible, right? And so we, we want to know how, to, how do we read the Bible? How do we read Scripture? When we read the Old Testament, we have to read it in the light of who Jesus is, and we have to apply it to our lives based upon us being in the new covenant as a Jesus follower. And so when we read a blessing upon the church or upon God's people— How many know that God is blessing his people and his people is the church, are the church? Can you say amen? And so we're going to read this verse and I want to just unpack some things and tell you just a little bit of our journey as church planners. It's been a crazy journey, nine years. My wife and I decided to to plan a church and that was just the craziest idea ever. (laughs) My wife came kicking and screaming, literally kicking and screaming, no, Jesus, and uh, it's like the fearful call to the mission field. You know, you're called to the mission field. And that missionary comes and, and he prophesies over you and says, you're called to go to Africa. No, Jesus. <laughs> Some of you are like, that's what I want to go. But, you know, my wife had this thing in her heart where, and we together took this courageous step. But she had this thing in her heart like, I don't know if that's what God has for us. But then we started seeing people through the eyes of heaven. And, and one time... The Lord really vividly spoke to us and says, if I can trust you with one person, I can trust you with many, so go out and find the one. And we started going out, 
And that's how the church started. We would go out and we'd look for one person to love, to minister to, and pray that they would come in into an encounter with God. And that's really the way it started. And we learned that God wanted us to create a culture with a different value system than what we'd been a part of. He wanted us to create a culture where, and we would say things like, I want to know what real fellowship is. And this is after I'd been saved a while. But when I first got saved, maybe you can identify with this too. Fellowship was an ingredient I needed for my Christianity, right? Like, you know, what did they tell you when you first got saved? You need to read your Bible. What else? You got to go to church. You got to get some fellowship. Come on, somebody. What else? You got to pray. Sinners, pray. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Could you not tarry one hour? How many have ever felt guilt trip from that? You never pray enough. You know, you, all these verses. So you got to pray. But these were like ingredients. So we plant the church and we want to see something real. And, and so we're like, okay, God, whatever you want to do. Like, we're going for it. Starting a coffee shop. And we begin to discover I, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I look back and I, I look at what's happened now, and I didn't know the, the revelation that I'm sharing with you today. I didn't know uh, that fellowship was not just an ingredient for my spirituality, but it was something that I participate in in the life of God. I didn't know that it was, I thought it was just something that I needed for, for me, you know, like a plant needs soil. Well, I need fellowship. And I quickly learned that it was not just about, here's what happens, guys. If we think fellowship is an ingredient for our Christianity and something we need to survive, then we're going to look at people for what they can do for us. And that's not healthy ever. And, and the culture of Christianity is shifting. God is forming a new wineskin in the earth. And it all starts with really just Praying that prayer, that radical prayer. God, we want to know, we really want to know what it means to be a blessed church, for, to receive your blessing. So in Psalm 67, 1, let's read it. God, be merciful to us. One translation says, be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. Say this with me. Say, merciful, bless us and his face to shine upon us. So I learned, you know, like these words that we use in church, relational, community. You know, this was a buzzword 15 years ago. We have to live in community. And I, and, and I want to talk about what that really means. And I, I quickly learned that, uh, you know, leadership was not just about me being called pastor. And I really liked it in the beginning. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm a pastor. I'm young. Praise God. Call me pastor again. I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. Someone would be like, hey, Pastor Zach. I'd pretend like I didn't hear him just because I wanted to hear him say pastor again. <laughs> Come on, guys. Give me a break. So, so I learned that it wasn't about title. It was about function. I remember this girl came up to me. She's like, I want to become a pastor. I'm like, then just start loving people. Like, just take God's heart on for people. Like, take his desires, his thoughts. Like, get God's heart for people, and you'll shepherd people. You'll mentor them. You'll love them. Build relationships. We learned quickly that relationships, 
were a process. They take time. And this thing called fellowship was way bigger than we could realize. It wasn't just an ingredient for my Christianity. It was a life that I participated in. And I want to read you a scripture from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12 if you have your Bibles with you. I don't know if they have this one in the back or not. If you don't, don't worry about it. This is a really powerful revelation in relating to a corporate body. Because what I realize is that God didn't just want to baptize me and the Holy Spirit individually. He wanted to baptize the body in the Holy Spirit and form a body in the earth. A living body of Christ. An ecclesia, a church. A people of God that look like Jesus when they're all together. And this, this, this thing called fellowship is such a big part of it. And, and I want to uh, just unpack this. So look at this. This verse is so powerful. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is where Paul's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We have the gifts of uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. These nine gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. And then he starts talking about we're individual members of one body. And there is unity in diversity. Can you say amen? amen? Unity is not uniformity. Unity is diversity in a good, healthy value system. When we see that I need you, you need me, we need each other, you're valuable, I'm valuable, we're valuable together, and we all do our part, that's when we become the body of Christ. But the verse that I'm about to read is kind of the fountainhead of this. This is so important. Um, for us in our walk with God and understanding how important we are together as the church. Verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given one spirit to drink. So Paul's saying you have been baptized in one spirit, not just individually, but as a body. And that is how a body is formed. Now, here's what happens. We plant a church. We start experiencing these moments like we did in worship where the presence of God was so tangible that, I mean, there was times it was like, okay, I don't know what to do right now, man. Let's just, can we just stay right here? Can, can we pause this? Can we say la? Can we pause in his presence for a minute? And we're experiencing the love of God for people and, and we're seeing people rise up and serve and then we're experiencing like difficult times and we're sticking together through the hard times and we're loving and, and, and man, we're, this is life. This is fellowship. This is what, is this, is this what I'm reading here? Like I'm, I'm seeing us become a body, a living body of Christ and it all happens in his manifest presence. How many people in here, don't raise your hand if you don't want to, but how many people in here uh, got set free from alcoholism? Raise your hand up. Oh, come on, there's like 20 other people, but you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but you're just not being honest in church, whatever. So, so how many here, were, were you like that person when you drank, you, you just got a little crazy, right? I mean, I guess that's everybody. But have you ever seen, and this is a stereotypical thing, but someone who drank and they're like, I just love you, bro. Like, <laughs> like the, who had, there was this one individual, I was young, and it was like a friend of my parents, and this person would, you know, have a little too much wine, and they would, like, get in 
tears in her eyes like, I just love you, Zach. And I'm like, I don't even barely know you, bro. This is so weird, man. You know, people that really, like, they, they drink and they just love everyone. They love the guy on the street. I love you, bro, man. You're awesome. How many know when you drink the wine of heaven, you fall in love with God's people? It says we all drink from one spirit. And when we come into the presence of God together, something happens where we actually learn to love one another, and that's that fellowship. It's not just this thing that I need as an ingredient in my life, but it's something I participate in where I become self-giving love. So when we planted the church, I'm learning that servant leadership and, you know, authority in the kingdom of God was not control. Authority meant I'm a foot washer. I'm called to wash feet. I'm called to humble myself. I'm called to serve people. That's what the word ministry means. But in a lot of cultures today, ministry means I've got armor bearers. Hallelujah. (laughs) I have a ministry. I have a website and all that stuff, you know. We have this whole idea of what ministry is. It's like, I want to start a ministry. It's like, so just serve and love people. You don't need a website. You don't need a name. You don't need a title. What you do need is the love of God. And when you catch fire with the love of God and you realize he's breathing on his church and you live in this place of his blessing and smile, you become his smile in the earth and people see the face of Jesus through you because you're no longer concerned about, well, what part do I have to play in this thing? Or do I get a solo in the play? Come on, somebody. But you realize that we all have a sound and we become this beautiful symphony. And this is what was happening as God was blessing The church plant called Encounter Church Las Vegas started nine years ago, over nine years ago, and we were becoming a body of believers. And fellowship wasn't ingredient anymore. It was life. It was love. It was, I didn't see people for what they could do for us. I saw people as, wow, they're valuable. How can I love and serve them? Isn't it so backwards to a lot of our church cultures though, right? But I'm telling you, this is the paradigm of heaven. This is what Jesus called us to do. And these words, relational community, they weren't just words anymore. We were learning what it actually meant. It's like we use the word love. Love is such a beautiful word until you realize without sacrifice and pain, it's just a word. Like without vulnerability, without self-giving, Without other-centeredness, it's just a word, love. It's a four-letter word, love. I love you. I love you too. Praise God. And I use the word all the time. But love means something. Love is powerful. Love is active. Love is not passive. It's active. It's a force of heaven. And love is a person. His name is Jesus. And he shows us what love looks like. And so here's what we realized. Fellowship wasn't something for me, but it was life, love, and joy that I participate in. And it caused me to reciprocate something. I became self-giving love. And I realized I was seeing something beautiful form. It wasn't just, just a body of Christ. It wasn't just a people rising up together. I was seeing love itself. I believe this is what Jesus meant when he says, they're going to know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. In other words, if I could paraphrase, if you allow me, John chapter 13, right after Jesus washed the disciples' feet, Judas walked out the door. Right after Judas walked out the door, that's a hard time. You ever been betrayed, stabbed in the back? Imagine Jesus getting betrayed by Judas. And guess what he says? The next words come out of his mouth. By the way, guys, they're going to know you're my disciples by how you love one another. That's some radical enemy love right there. And so Jesus is saying this. He's like, they're going to see a beauty 
that they've never seen before by the way you love each other. They're going to see something so real. They're going to find what they're looking for. They're going to see family. I've been looking for family my whole life. They're going to see refuge. They're going to see hope. They're going to see the beauty of divine love that we share with one another. Can you say amen? Amen. So I began to see love. And, I, and we begin to realize that every person is significant. It's not just about the person with the microphone. Every person, we talked about it last week, how you're anointed. And, and so we, we, we learn that every person is significant. And why are our church value systems only elevating the gifts of maybe the gifts of the spirit or only elevating certain gifts. It's like we cherry pick gifts and these are the ones. And so the word anointed or anointing is only for people that are in the spotlight, so to speak. And what about the other people? They have gifts and they're pew sitting. What are, what's going on? Like God, this doesn't seem healthy because a body that has members or parts that don't function anymore, what happens? Like if, if a part dies, it, gangrene sets in or, you know, rebellious cells. It's called cancer, tumors. And if, if the body's not flowing and moving and active and every part doing its share, it's not a healthy body. And so we realize, like, man, I want to see a healthy body. God bless your church. God be merciful and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us. What I realized is that community was becoming a revelation of Trinitarian life manifested. See, there's a revelation of God that we have to get as Christians. And I'm telling you, the church is going to look totally different in 20, 30 years. And and we have to understand that the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is not just something that we you know, can believe if we'd like to. It is the fundamental for Orthodox Christianity. And in Protestantism, it has not been that important, but it's more than just something we read in a creed, the Nicene Creed. We read it last week when we had baptisms, which by the way, wasn't that just incredible? It was such an amazing time. We're baptizing people and I look over and there's all these people lined up with their cameras looking. I was like, oh, hi. Try to, you know, shave off my love handles, <laughs> praise God. I saw the pictures, I'm like, Rochelle, I need to go on a diet, man. Like, I love food way too much, Jesus, help me. <sighs> Pray for me. So, I, 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 you know, here's, here's the thing, guys. There's a beauty that we see in fellowship. I lost my train of thought, I don't even remember what I was saying. So uh, we began to see this. We saw, we were seeing divine love. And we're like, God, what is this? This is beautiful. St. Augustine said this, if we see love, we see the Trinity. The Trinity is not something that we, you know, we don't have to believe it if we don't want. Yeah, it's absolutely 100% at the, the uh, it's at the foundation of Orthodox faith that God is not some solitary monad being that was, alone from eternity before creation, but he's always been Father, Son, Spirit. God is love. Love necessitates relationship. God is love. God doesn't just love. Love is who God is. It's of his very essence. Why is this important? Because we'll realize when we get a glimpse of who God is and a revelation of who God is that he is relationship itself. It changes the way we relate to one another. It changes the way we we relate to the world to the unbelievers, to the ones that in many of our church cultures we exclude. Instead of inviting and saying, you have a place at Papa's table, we say, well, if you jump through this hoop, that hoop, go through the members class, then you can come into the inner circle, praise God. But if we realize that community was literally a revelation of Trinitarian life, 
then we'd say, all are welcome at this feast. Send out the invitation. Reminds me of a parable. There's a marriage supper coming and go to the highways and byways because all the broken are invited, the ones that are hurting, the ones that are alone, the ones that don't realize they're actually loved radically by the creator of the universe. They can come sit at this table and feast. The table set, your name is on it, you're already adopted. Come on, somebody. All you have to do is receive the adoption. The papers are signed, sealed, and they've been delivered to you just believe it and receive it and you come into the family of God what I found is is that's what people are actually looking for they're looking for real love they're looking for real fellowship they're looking for real community they're looking for real family no wonder our marriages sometimes are whacked come on somebody sometimes our relationships in church are just all messed up you know you have uh, something happen in a church you don't need to do media research because the church is so good at gossiping the whole world knows within seconds that's a true story, man. It happens. There was a, a scandal that happened, and the, a, a huge media group said, we have never had to uh, not do research on something except for this event, but we just, it just spread. Why? Because the people, it was just so easy for them to slander, to sow discord, to talk, to point a finger, to expose someone's sin. I told you so. And like, what, what, what have we done here? Have we really missed the point of this? God, be merciful to us, bless us, and cause your face to shine upon us. So I'm reading this, and I'm looking at this quote. St. Augustine said, if we see love, we see the Trinity. I realize that, man, we've had a wrong view of God, and it's caused us to miss this relational thing, this self-giving love, this thing that happens. And in Psalm 67.1, in closing, I just want to break down, and I want to show you that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are revealed in this one verse. Are you all ready? Yeah. This is so profound. God, be merciful. Say merciful. merciful. It's the word compassion. It's the word kanan. Uh, it's, it's where it, there's a derivative of it, Hannah, which means gracious. Great. That's my daughter's name, Hannah Grace. I call her Hannah Grace. It's the graciousness of God, the compassion of God. And so Psalm 103, 13 says this, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. This word signifies the compassion of the father. Luke 6, 36 says, be merciful as your father is merciful. The word merciful in the Greek, it's the comparable word in the Hebrew. It's this word, kanan, or hanan, which is this compassionate word. God, be merciful. God, be gracious. It exemplifies the father, the fount of the Trinity. The word bless, God bless us, is barak. It means to bless or to kneel. To get down low and to bless. Oh man, we all know who that is. Who in his very incarnation humbled himself and became man. The eternal Logos, his name is Jesus. It reminds me of John 13 where Jesus gets down low and washes the disciples' feet. He was blessing them. It reminds me of the, the time that he's teaching and the children come because they want a blessing from the rabbi. And the disciples are stopping them. He says, no, no, no. This is what the kingdom looks like. In other words, this is what the father's reign looks like in the earth. 
is me blessing children. Can you imagine Jesus, if he was standing, he would have had to get down low to bless the children. This is the word bless. So it says, be merciful, the father, the nature of the father. Bless us. We see this in the incarnation of Jesus. And then last, lastly, it says this. It says, and cause his face to shine upon us. Oh, there's a scripture I want to read to you about blessing. Look at this. Hebrews 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every, every spiritual blessing in, what's the last part say? Christ. Is it behind me? Nope. What's going on? Put it up there if you will. I want you to read it with me. We are blessed. Why? Because we're in Christ. Just hit the little logo button. You should be able to pop it up there. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has, past tense, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, I'm gonna move on. So then the last part of this blessing is and cause his face to shine. Everyone say shine. Shine upon us. It's the Hebrew word or. It means illuminate, shine. It could be used for fire. What does that represent? The fire. Who's the fire in this Godhead? The Holy Spirit. You see the Trinity in here? Look what it, look what it says here in, uh, in Exodus 13, 21. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a pillar of fire and this little phrase right here, to give them light, is the same Hebrew word, shine. Who gives us light and guides us and leads us in all truth? The Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is inviting. We can come into this place of his smile. One translation says, his face shine upon us. That signifies like a father smiling at his kids. And so we come into this place of blessing. We choose to believe I'm in Christ and I've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. But what, what are the implications? The implications are since you are relationship and love itself, you've invited me to participate in this fellowship. Fellowship is not just some ingredient that I, I take like a vitamin, but I participate in the very fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How do you think that changes our marriages, our families, our church relationships, the way we relate to the world the unsaved, the broken, come on. It changes everything. This is why it's so important. And so the blessing of God on his people. Jürgen Moltmann says this, the Holy Spirit is the eternal light in which the son sees the father and the father sees the son. You see, the early church saw the Holy Spirit described as being the, the love between the father and the son. And that's where you are. You're right in between the father and that you're right in the center of the father, son, and Holy Ghost. You've been woven into it. How? By Jesus and his broken body, his incarnation. You've been joined to him in his humanity, we've been joined to his divinity through Jesus Christ in his finished work. So powerful. So I see that there's this, this is what the early church called perichoresis. Say perichoresis. Where we get the word uh, peri is like periscope. And choresis comes from the word choreography. One of the ways that it was described is it was a divine dance and they're describing the relationship of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're unique, but they're one. And you've been invited into this dance where there's grace, mercy, 
blessing, other-centered love, fire. Come on, somebody, say fire. When we fellowship together, we're just dancing and we are celebrating the love that God has given us. And when the world sees that, they're like, I want that right there. I want to dance like that. You ever been at a wedding and you have Caucasian rhythmic disorder? Maybe, I don't know. And someone is up there and they're dancing so good. And you're like, man, I wish I could dance like that. And you try and you just like, you just don't quite have it. That's a perfect metaphor when the world sees the grace and the love and the forgiveness and the fellowship through our lives reciprocating love. They're like, that's family. That's what I mean. You know, our marriages should shine in this way where, man, how do I get to relate? Man, you've been married 20 years. The way you just kissed your wife, you look like you're on your honeymoon. That's right, baby. It's called the fire of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Christian marriages should be the best marriages. And intimacy should be the best intimacy in the world. Come on, somebody. And it should get better and better and better. Come on, married couples. Don't get quiet on me now. Paul said it's like spiritual warfare. Don't be apart too long unless the devil tempt you. You know, a good sexual relationship in a marriage, the devil cannot get in that marriage. Wow. Come on, somebody. Has the devil been messing with your marriage? Better go take care of that gentleman after service. Come on, somebody. Love your wife, woo your wife, romance your wife. Do not deprive one another. First Corinthians chapter 7, it's in the Bible. Hey, guys, if you have a problem with it, it's in the Bible. Paul said it. <laughs> this is what God has invited us into, and people see this beauty, this love, this union, this communion, this fellowship. So here's what happens. They see this flow, this dance, this perichoresis. There's an other-centeredness of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's no need in this culture of community now for ego stroking or solos. God doesn't need worship to survive, but sometimes we act like we do. But if we define God like a Greek philosophical God where he's a solo monad being all by himself that requires worship, the virgin in the volcano, the bloodthirsty vampire God, then it changes everything. But if we see God revealed in Jesus, his Father, Son, Holy Spirit, wow. We've only just begun to discover what fellowship is, what church is, that we could be the body of Christ in the earth. Wow. I mean, can you imagine a mature bride? I see it all across the world. Muslims getting saved right now more than any time in history. There's no room. There's no room for solos or being alone in the Christian faith because God has never been alone. He's Father, Son, and Spirit, and we're invited into that. I want to close with the benediction Paul gives in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. Paul's dealing with the church that's messed up. Let's just pretend it's the church in Las Vegas. The church in Vegas, you could say, has similar issues. We, God's people, still struggle with stuff. But how many know we're still invited in over and over? 
to celebrate, to be loved, to be forgiven, to be free. And Paul, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna read this in, uh, let me just read it in the message. Are you guys enjoying this this morning? I'm gonna dismiss you in just a moment. So in 2 Corinthians, this is the last thing he told the church of Corinth. There was, there was no other letter that we know of in the canon. There may have been a third letter to the church of Corinth, but it's not a part of the canon of scripture. It was lost. And so this is profound that this was the last thing he said. And I love it in the message. Let's catch this. With all the issues the church of Corinth had, may this be uh, just a declaration over the body of Christ. God's blessing his church. He's calling his church to live under his smile, his gracious smile, his blessing, and his shining face over us. Check this out. It's so powerful. And then he closes. He says, and that's about it, friends. Be cheerful. Keep things in good repair. Keep your spirits up. Think in harmony. Be agreeable. Do all that, and the God of love and peace will be with you for sure. Greet one another with a holy embrace. In the Greek, it's kiss, with a holy kiss. Paul's like, be affectionate to one another. That's part of the culture. Be affectionate to one another. Love one another with deep love. Here's what he says. All the brothers and sisters say hello. Now here's the benediction. I'm gonna read it in the New King James Version. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Guess what it is? It's his invitation into the blessing of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Isn't that profound? Let's live life in community like we really belong to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, loving one another the way we were created to, where fellowship is not just an ingredient, but it's a participation of divine life. Can you say amen? amen? I want to pray for you. I want to ask you right now, just if you would close your eyes. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to dismiss. If we could have our prayer team, just begin to pray right now with me, if you would. If you lived your life alone, or you lived your life feeling like you're on the outside looking in, and maybe you got a bad taste of what Christianity, you thought Christianity was, and, and you're like, man, does God really love me? Does Jesus really want to forgive me? Yes, he does. And he's invited you to his table. And if you're in this place and you want to receive that love, that forgiveness, that joy, that fellowship with him, or you want to surrender your life to him. Maybe you feel like you kind of walked away. And today you're saying, man, I'm ready to just step back in and totally surrender. If you're in this place right now and you're feeling the fiery tug of heaven and the Holy Spirit's pulling on you to say, I want you to be all in. If you hear that voice right now saying, I want you to be all in, I want you quickly without hesitation Every eye closed, raise your hand up right now. Say, that's me. God's telling me I want to be, I'm, I'm calling you to be all in. Raise your hand up. Hands going up. Boom, 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 boom. Every boom is a hand raised if you didn't know. Boom, come on. Raise your hand high. Anyone else? He's pulling on your heart. God's saying, I want you to be all in. It's time. Today's the day. 
I want you to stand up if you raise your hand and courageously come down here. We're going to close in prayer. And those that are standing and coming down, I want you to just give God a shout of praise right now that he is doing something in our midst that people are receiving God's love. Come on, I want you to just stand right here. Come and receive the Father's embrace. Come on and give God a shout of praise. He loves you. If you've come down, just close your eyes and and just receive his love. This is a day for a new beginning for you. Anyone else? Say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. God is inviting you into his table. You feel like you've never been a part of that inner circle of love. You always felt like you've been left out. Today is the day to experience love where you are included and you were included 2,000 years ago. Anyone else before we pray, you can come down. Those of you that have come down, would you just lift your hands with me? Just lift your hands like you're receiving a gift. Thank you, Lord. Lord, would your would, would you right now just come in fire with your amazing, relentless love and touch every single one of these that are up here, all five of them. Five is the number of grace. And so we release grace and we say you're loved and the Father has been waiting for this moment with open arms. And he kisses you with forgiveness. And he puts a robe on you and shoes on your feet and a ring on your finger. He says, my kids have come home. I love them so much. And so, Lord, we invite them in and we surround them. We bless them. Prayer team, would you come up and would you just gently put your hand on their shoulder and release the manifest presence of God right now. Lord, may the weight of sin, guilt, shame, condemnation be broken now. Depression, oppression, broken now in the name of Jesus. Come on. We had another brother come up. Can you give God a shout of praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for transforming lives by your love. We rejoice. Live in God's blessing. You're blessed. Live in his smile. Father, we thank you. We thank you right now. In the name of Jesus. I want these people that are up here, just stay right here. We're going to pray over you. Rochelle, would you come up, dismiss everyone else, and then invite anyone else that needs prayer for anything. Thank you. God bless you, church. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And if you need prayer for anything, I just invite you, just come stand up here and our team will pray, prophesy, encourage, whatever you need. They're just going to be available for you. Um, And so you are blessed. You are dismissed. Have an amazing Sunday. Again, if you want to register for the conference or if it's your first time, please stop at the Connect desk on your way out. We love you. Have an amazing day.